And joining me now from Kiev is Larissa Galatza. She's Canada's ambassador to Ukraine and recently returned to the Ukrainian capital. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks so much for having me. What was it like to go back? I mean, imagine I imagine you returned to a quieter city than what we'd seen over several months, but still a, a city much changed. A city much changed, a country much changed. Yeah, on our, you know, when, when we left Kyiv, uh, we were, uh, you know, we were leaving because we were preparing for the worst, but still very much hoping for the best. Uh, we went to Lviv, which is in western Ukraine. Uh, but when we, when the, the day the war started and we had to leave Lviv, we knew that we were leaving a country that would never, uh, that wouldn't be the same afterwards. And so, indeed, coming back uh, uh, changed air in the city, uh, changed sense. Of, of of energy and of course the um, the kinds of uh, protections and, and and sandbags and block posts and things like control posts that you need uh, for the capital city of a country that's that's in a full scale war. And I imagine what I was often explained is I was in Kiev in, in 2014 while the war was going on in Donetsk, but now it's the air raid sirens that is different. Like you very much are fully aware that there's there's a war going on. Yes, you are. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's still but it's still there's still a, a, a real disconnect because, you know, I, I last week I went to visit Borodyanka. I left my home. Everything is beautiful, peaceful. I drive past my favorite restaurant that I ate in the night before and start to drive out of the city past the big malls. And then you start to see the destruction. And then you see the dug in trenches. And this is this is not 20 minutes from the city uh, heading heading west, you know. Um, and then you see the destroyed large epicenter, which is like a like a mad Home Depot on steroids and it's right. completely destroyed. And then Borodyanka itself, where uh, where there was massive bombings, uh, war crimes investigations are underway. And I see a family in one of the bombed out buildings, you know, pumping out the water from their apartment because they're getting ready to move back in. Um, at the same time that a woman is singing in the square because there's this desperate attempt to bring life back. And, and that right there is, is, is Ukrainian resilience. And, and for a Canadian audience, that would be like driving to Etobicoke, right? I mean, that's like driving from downtown Toronto to Mississauga, essentially, in terms of distance. Yeah, like it's Etobicoke, not even as yeah. far as Mississauga. Like, it's really yeah. close. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's scary close. What was it like What was it like for the decision to go back? Uh, I mean, I realize other countries had started reopening their diplomatic presence in, in the capital. Um, Canada was amongst the, the early groups that have gone back. What was that decision like, as much as you can talk about it? Um, I think that the, the decision came because it was it, it was time. It was possible. Uh, Ukrainians had done that um, amazing job of fighting back the Russians uh, uh, from 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 around around Cave. The Russians retreated, and uh, and it meant that the the, the threat to to Cave that we had left uh, for um, was uh, was was gone. So the, and it was time. Uh, we knew that activity was. Returning here, political activity, uh, diplomatic activity, and uh, and of course, uh, Canada was as ever engaged in solutions, whether it's on the food security issues or on financial stability or on sanctions. All of this, uh, you know, there, it was time to come back here and have some of the conversations uh, and 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 reconnect with the people who uh, were going to be important in helping us make the best decisions about how to support Ukraine. 
How about the staff? Because clearly when we talked about, for instance, Kabul, um, you know, there's always concern what happens to the local staff when, when the embassy closes or moves or shifts or, or the, it, the whole situation is very dynamic. How have you managed this time uh, to try and keep track of the staff? Where are they? How fast are you reopening? Most of our staff uh, are in Ukraine still uh, very f- some still in cave, uh, some in other parts. Uh, they went where they felt they needed to go to be safe. Uh, a number of them are are, uh, are abroad as well. And we have stepped in, stayed in very, very, very close touch uh, with all of them. I speak to them um, at the beginning. It was every day. Then we went out to three times a week. And, and just this week, we're starting two times a week. But we are in constant contact to make sure that they have, um, that they're that they're well supported and they're well connected to how, uh, what, what, what our plans are where we are and uh and that they can help as they can because it will be a gradual reopening right like right now you're still it's still fairly bare bones i understand that's right that's right we'll we'll uh we'll open as the situation permits as the security situation permits so what kind of services are you able to offer um within within the city right now or within the country right now i i imagine there's there's still a lot of demand but is that is that demand still being funneled elsewhere Yep, there's uh, the consular services are all being delivered out of out of uh, out of Poland. Uh, out of it was out of Zeshov. Uh That was actually a really great place uh, for us uh, for the kinds of demands that we had over the last couple of months and that still exist, which is people who need papers and we can go could go to the border easily and, and help them uh, with that. The um, the other services related to visas that also is being uh, those are being served out of out of Warsaw and a lot of that actually is online. A lot of the uh, you know the the, the applications, uh, the uh, information it's it's all online um, and the, the the centers that have been set up now in Warsaw are are massive and uh, and able to contend with the kind of volumes that we're seeing on the on the visa demand. I mean, I mean, you have a background at Citizenship and Immigration Canada. Has has what have the challenges been, and what have the successes been, in, as far as trying to help out, help Ukrainians uh, come to this country? The success has been that we have stood up a program that gives Ukrainians choice. Uh, they don't have to decide to be refugees. They don't have to decide to leave Ukraine forever. It is a, a program that very quickly gets them a visa for three years and a work permit if that's what they want. And, uh, and with a simplified online application, uh, they, can, uh, they, can, they, can, they, can, they can start their, their journey for a little bit of time in Canada or a lot of time in Canada. And as the situation evolves, they'll be able to make additional choices. So I think that's a huge success. And it was something I sort of very quickly considering it's not it's something that, that, that's never been done uh, in the immigration system before. And certainly, I imagine on your side, you were trying to figure out what it is that was needed because this is this is a, a unique situation. There is this idea that many people don't want to resettle permanently, uh, but they are hoping to go back. That's right, and you know, I think uh, uh, that's that's exactly that's exactly how we see it, and that's what Ukrainians want. You know, this is what all Ukrainian ministers and government officials, and even civil society and journalists say: is that people need people will need to come back. People will want to come back, but also Ukraine will need them to come back to rebuild, to get the uh, the economic activity going, uh, and to to do all the work of you know 
growing the grain and, and moving the grain and, uh, and uh, setting up the IT companies and rebuilding the schools and, and all of what's going to have to happen. So there's, a, there's a, a, a great optimism about people coming back as soon as possible. I'm speaking with Larissa Galatza. She's Canada's ambassador to Ukraine. She's joining me tonight from Kiev. She's been back in the capital now for, uh, for a few weeks after uh, Canada reopened the embassy there on that visit uh, from, uh, amongst others. Prime Minister Trudeau. Um, a lot of so far still a fairly bare bones affair. There's not a full on the, the full embassy staff isn't there. We're not doing what we used to do, uh, but we are there. Our presence is there. I understand that you've been obviously speaking with government officials, with members of civil society. Uh, what are the needs right now? What are the challenges right now that, that Canada is seeing and that, and that you're relaying back uh, to folks here? My goodness. Um, Where to start? There are, there are a number of, uh, of challenges. Um, I mean, obviously, the ones that, that probably your listeners are most familiar with, and that's the, that's the, the challenge of, of fighting the war and winning the war. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and everything that, the, that Canada, with its Western partners, is doing to provide uh, military equipment uh, to, to, to Ukrainians. Understanding mm-hmm. what that is, uh, finding it, and, and getting it here as, as quickly as possible. Um, I think another challenge for Ukrainians is accountability and holding Russia to account for uh, for war crimes uh, and 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 possibly crimes against humanity. Um, that is absolutely important for Ukrainians to uh, to 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 tr- start to deal with what has happened to them, especially in those towns. You know, now that 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 have been liberated uh, uh, by Ukrainians uh, outside of Kiev, where the International Criminal Court is is already working to collect that evidence. Giving Ukrainians access to justice is absolutely critical. Um, so we're 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 working on that. Um, I'm sure Canadians uh, everywhere, especially uh, in uh, in the prairies, have heard about the issue with the grain that is stuck. 25 million tons of grain stuck in the port of Odessa. Um, I was shocked to learn that 400 million people per year are fed on the grain that is grown in Ukraine, in the Middle East, uh, in North Africa. Uh, the uh, so the fact that there's 25 million tons sitting there and it can't get out because the port is 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 blockaded. Um, means uh, that a lot of solutions are being are being sought uh, for that to either open the Odessa port up or to move the grain uh, by by rail in in very in you know west so um, that's another that's another challenge I think the third a third uh, piece of work is is continuing to counter the disinformation and I think as the war goes on and 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 maybe you know Western media tire a little bit of of the kind of coverage that that has been uh, happening um, there's a there's a real threat that the Russian narrative will get more space and so we need to keep talking about this war we need to keep getting the facts out and we need to um, continue to challenge uh, the Russian disinformation uh, machine. In terms of the grain, because I actually interviewed Sir Lawrence Friedman, a well-known British military strategist last week, about this very issue. How can Canada help? I mean, what can we do? Obviously, the blockade, uh, you know, if we start sending ships through there, it's a whole process. What can we do in the short term to try to get that grain moving? Because I know, you know, the longer it sits there, the, the, you know, the more damage is being done around the world. 
Um, when you look at the details of what it's going to take to move that grain over the border into the EU in a manner that it doesn't normally, this grain doesn't normally flow through the EU, um, there are um, there are technical things that need to happen. Um, sanitary and phytosanitary labs, um, all kinds of equipment. Uh, there are uh, so 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 there are discussions underway about what it is that Canada can provide in a in a in a technical uh, kind of assistance way, but there's also um, there's also uh, diplomatic work underway to rally uh, n- not just not Western Europe doesn't need to be rallied on this point, but other countries in the world to make sure they understand that this grain problem and the food security problem these countries are going to experience are the result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This goes back to the disinformation I was just talking about. This is not about sanctions. This is not about anything other than Russia having invaded Ukraine. Uh, So, uh, and there are countries uh, in the world whose governments for a variety of reasons are still um, prone to, to to believing that Russian uh, line. So uh, diplomatically, Canada is working to rally as many countries as possible to put pressure on Russia in whatever way we can, uh, in addition to all the sanctions, uh, to uh, to agree to corridors uh, into the into the port of Odessa because that is the only way to move large amounts of uh, of the grain out. Just on a personal note, I know what's it been like. I know you just celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday, by the way. Um, <laughs> what's it? What's it like to be back there? Just you. It's it. It feels uh, important, uh, relevant. Uh, it's a. Uh, it has been from the very beginning of of my time as ambassador here. Always felt like a, a real privilege. Um, but uh, there's there's an urgency to the work now and and a relevance to it um, that uh, that that didn't exist before. Uh, so I'm very pleased personally to be here uh, to have a great team supporting me and uh, and doing what we can. You know, Russia invaded Ukraine because uh, because a successful and democratic Ukraine uh, is a threat to Putin's authoritarianism. Helping Ukraine become that successful democratic country is inside the DNA of of, of Canadians, uh, and we've been working at it for a long time. And to have been a, a part of that before the war, to see the progress, to have seen the progress that was being made, and to see Ukraine having been on the cusp of some really, really critical changes um, and 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 reforms, uh, and then to have this senseless, unjust. Uh, ridiculous invasion uh, happen. Uh, it's it's been tough, but it's good to be back here to uh, to pick up that 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 energetic work that Canada does in Ukraine. Larissa Galatza, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye bye.